0: Hello and welcome to John's Author diary for the Weekend in February the 14th, 2021. I've had a busy week, but most of that has been spent doing admin-related tasks for my writing business. So a lot of stuff involving booking promos and sorting adverts and things like that. So very boring stuff, I think you'll agree, but it's necessary if I am going to carry on doing this full-time. I did get my outline back for Dawn of Assassins from a couple of author friends. Nothing gave me really good feedback, it seems that the story is ready to go. I've started writing it, I've written the first scene, so I'm 2,500 words in, so it's literally the opening chapter that I've written, because next week is the half-term holiday, that means I probably won't be doing much in the way of work, I think I need just a week off anyway, so I'm going to be taking a bit of time off. And then when I come back to the manuscript on the 22nd, then I will already be into it. So I'll just carry on rather than feeling like I need to start something new. So looking forward to getting my teeth into that. Now one thing that I have been thinking about is to add a second point of view to the book. It's surrounding a thief gang and the central character is called Fedor. So he is the point of view for the book. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on off to the side. Now it can go on anyway, it won't really affect the story if it's not included, but I think it'll give it more depth, more meaning when something happens later in the book to give it more of an attachment to the secondary characters. So in terms of reading, I finished the anthology Boston Noir. That was hit and miss, there were some really good stories in that, there were some that were kind of left with the, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe just a shrug of, oh okay, that's how that happened. I also read a book called The Thief by Megan Whalen turner This is the first book in her Queen's Thief series. Now, this is one of those stories where the writing is very, very good, but I didn't get much out of the story. They didn't feel like there was a lot happening. It was just a lot of well-written prose that didn't really do anything for me. There's another book that I'm not going to mention, actually, but I did abandon a book after the first couple of paragraphs this week. And it was one of the things that I see as automatically disqualifying. So there was a really dramatic scene. The main character was in a lot of peril. How on earth were they going to get out of it? How oh, they wake up. It's a dream. That's disqualifying for me. You know, you draw someone into a story and then they pull the rug from under you. That's a cheap trick. And so I returned that book to Audible. I'm currently reading a book called Among Thieves by Douglas Hullick. Again, another... Thief-based fantasy story, and really good. I think this is probably the best one I've read of my current run of roguish fantasy tales, so I'd highly recommend that. I also read a writing craft book called The Fantasy Fiction Formula. I thought this was really good. It was the person who taught Jim Butcher how to write, and I'd heard it recommended a few times, so I thought I'd give it a listen. And yeah, really good. A lot in there that I learned, and I've read a lot of craft books. There's certain things that i do anyway and i get a feel for but now I've got a name and concept for and so that was really interesting just to be able to think about stuff on the sentence level and all that kind of thing this week as well I did another speech for the Morecambe and Lancaster Speakers Club it was one where we were given a theme and then had to write a speech about it so I did a speech about memories And so I talked about things like implanted memories and distorted memories, misremembering and things like that. So I really enjoyed doing the research for that. Got some great feedback as well. I have volunteered in a few weeks to do an impromptu speech. So what that means is about 10 minutes before the meeting, I'm going to get an email with a subject and then I need to come up with a speech on the fly. So that should be high pressure, but I think I'll do okay with that. Hopefully, we'll see. So, as I've mentioned before, next week is my wife and son's half term holiday. So, I'm going to be taking a week off. The weather doesn't look too great. So, we will just have to make the best of being at home. Might do something like an indoor camping trip, set up a tent and stay in there for the night. Pretend we're camping. So, all fun and excitement. So, until next time, cheerio. This is called Memory. I'd like to start off by asking you all just to take a moment to. Try and think back to, let's say, your earliest memory. What is the earliest memory you can think of? For me, it's being maybe two or three years old, being stuck in a lift with my mother. I was in my pushchair. We used to live in a tower block in a rough area of Wolverhampton called Heathtown. And I can remember the lift vividly. I can remember it smelling of urine. I can remember graffiti Daubs of colour on the walls. I can remember even the feeling, the grubby feeling of the buttons. And I've spoke to my mum about this and she was like, yep, that happened, I remember that. But there's something weird about it. And it's the fact that I see that memory of myself in third person. I see myself in the pushchair. There are details that I shouldn't be able to remember. How could I reach the buttons to feel them? So memory is not as reliable as we think it is. My first memory doesn't make sense if it's a memory at all. Have you ever heard of things like false memories, distorted memories, even implanted memories? You know, mem- memory—it serves us great in everyday life. You know, without memory, we'd struggle to use the toilet or turn the kettle on. But when it comes to memories of details of events, of, of things that happened years ago, they're not that reliable. They're, they're malleable like clay. You can twist them and turn them, and they can be even suggestible. And what I mean by that is um, picture what you had for tea tonight. Picture your meal. You know, how did it taste? What did it look like on the plate? You, know, you could probably almost taste it in your mouth. You can maybe see where you were sat. You can feel all the things. Now imagine that there was a dragon outside your window, what I've done is I've inserted something into that memory, which will always be there now. So it's not a simple thing of you remember what you had for your tea. You've now implanted something from your imagination that in the future you might even remember that as something that happened. And of course you'll, you'll go, of course that didn't happen. I know it didn't happen. It was John and he did this. But the memory will, will now be polluted And there's loads of psychological research that's been done on this and neuroscientists have looked into memory and I think it's one of the most baffling things. You know, we rely on it so much, but it's very tricky. There was an experiment that was done about car crashes. So what happened was these participants in this experiment were shown a video of cars smashing into each other. They were divided into two groups. The first group were asked, how fast do you think those cars hit each other? The second group were asked, how fast did those cars smash into each other? Now, there was just a very little word, a very little suggestion with the difference between the words hit and the word smash. But the people who heard the word smash perceived the car to be travelling faster. Many of them remembered that there was glass on the scene and there wasn't. So this, this suggestion of memory was inserted and, and I, find, I just find that really fascinating almost creepy because we don't know kind of how much of what we see as our own identity or anything like that, anything we remember whether it is accurate, whether it's real there was also the idea that, you know, like with police lineups, where you get someone who is a criminal and they'll line people up who look pretty similar to them, the idea is, is that you're meant to pick out the criminal and in 20 to 25% of those lineups, the person, the witness, is certain that it's the wrong person. So they choose the wrong person, they're absolutely certain. And that's one in five, one in four. You know, that's, that's a lot, a lot of kind of misremembered things. On the subject of implanting, implanting memories. So this is where you actually put in memories in people's head. There was an experiment that was done where... The parents of the participants were given some memories to share with the psychiatrist and they went through the memories. And then they added a false one of them getting lost in a shopping centre. And all of the people who had this memory because they'd been primed with the other ones that were real, they started remembering details about getting lost in the shopping centre. They could recall the voice coming through the loudspeaker. They could recall the person who helped them. You know, we, we misremember things all the time and our mind just fills in the details. You know, we exaggerate events, we put ourselves in the story, we add emotions to things, we put meaning on stuff that isn't necessarily how it happened. We've got our own twist on it, we've got our own perception. I apologise because, you know, I might have just (laughs) unravelled something in your head but I think with this knowledge it's not all bad because I think it can help us to be a bit more tolerant, hopefully reduce a few arguments. So, for example you might disagree with someone about you know something that happened and just imagine the power of being able to say that's not how I remember it but hey you could be right